Hello and welcome sports fans. I hope you haven't made your transfers yet because yes, it's Tuesday night and you're listening to the Danalysis Fantasy Football Podcast with your main FPL friends, Dan and Natalie. Uh, although it's almost definitely not Tuesday night by the time you're listening to this, but nevertheless, the FPL podcast must go on. We've just wrapped up game week two following a Monday night matchup between Wolves and Man United. And I'm so glad we delayed the podcast for it because although I didn't get home in time to watch a match at all, I did catch my favourite narrative of the season so far. The shock, the horror, the Man United players decide then and there on the pitch who is going to take their penalties. Does it matter the Rashford smash run in in the top corner last, last week against Chelsea? Hell no, because Paul Pog was in town and he's coming for your penalties. Natalie, did you see this? No, I haven't seen anything. I pretty much haven't watched any football this week. It caused shockwaves in the Sky Sports studio. How? How could anyone have been surprised that Paul Pogba missed the penalty? Well, not so much that he missed the penalty. That that wasn't the issue, you see. It was that... Gary Neville, when he was watching the match, was was like, oh, that's not right from Pogba. Like, he's taken it from Rashford. And then after the match, they found out from uh, from Solskjaer that he just doesn't pick a penalty taker. And he's like, oh, yeah, the the guys just sort it out on the pitch. And, and they're like, what, just anyone takes one? Like, how do you decide that? And he's just like, just they're feeling confident. <laughs> uh, and it was the most awkward, weird thing because... So, like, De Gea can take one if he wants to? If he's feeling confident, apparently, oh, okay. by their rule set, it was so wishy-washy. And it is amazing at this level of, you know, professional football where there's, like, mega money in it and the, the stakes are so high. And Solskjaer's just like, oh, yeah, just let the boys decide what to do. And you can see, like, there's a little conversation between Rashford and, and Pogba and Rashford just kind of like reluctantly like says okay then like Pogba's like the alpha male in this situation I guess and yeah Gary Neville was just losing his shit about this he was like this is not this is not right you can't do this you can't like just have the players decide who takes the penalty and it was very strange throwback to that Fulham man who missed the penalty last season after stealing it from Mitrovic and then he got like banned from the team oh Kamara yeah sure Kamara uh, um I think it was a Bubakar Kamara and yeah then he had a fight with Ra- uh, not <laughs> with Rashford oh with Mitrovic and Yoga or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> never forget Oh, wow. That was great. That was one of the best stories of last year. It was yeah. really good. He, also, uh, Kevin Morales. I don't know if you remember him. Oh, of he course. Did it. Never forget. I used to have Kevin Morales in my team. Yeah. He did back. it as well for Everton and basically never played for Everton again after that. Yeah, I, I just found this very entertaining anyway. Obviously upsetting for the people who are in Rashford, but he still got an assist and a bonus yeah, point. And sure. it it was all very strange. I mean, Pogba now has, I think, the fifth worst Premier League penalty record of all time. So he should probably stop doing that. <laughs> you know, in the preseason, I was all like, oh yeah, Solskjaer's got to get sacked. And yes. then last week, Man United win 4-0 and you're a bit like, maybe I shouldn't go so hard on the Solskjaer's getting sacked thing, but I still think it's going to happen. This kind of feels like the beginning of the unravelling for me, just, and it seems like such a small, petty thing, but just the fact that he... He's the manager and he hasn't picked a penalty taker. He's like, oh, the boys will sort it out. Like, yeah. Probably after this, you should pick one. Yeah. Anyway, no players in that game for me. Uh, none for you either, I think. And h- how did your team do in game week two? Not very well, but I um, chronically don't do well in game week two. So I'm not concerned whatsoever. 
that's just how we roll. Um, yeah, well, what was your points total in the end? Are oh, you something... thinking about ripping your team up? No, no, no. Uh, 33. And I couldn't really have done much better. Talk me through it. Where did it all go wrong? Or where did it go well? Uh, if anywhere. Just everyone got two points, really. Yeah. I captain Salah, which is fine. I'm not mad about it. So the thing is, as well, some context in case you don't follow us on Twitter. I went, I went all Saturday without looking at the scores. So I got home, tried to watch match of the day, and was so excited, but also was so wasted that I fell asleep halfway, not even halfway through. Um, oh no! Yeah, so I was really hyped. So the delight when Danny Ings scored that goal. I've never cheered on my own for something so loud at 11pm. Oh, you have Danny Ings. <laughs> yeah, I've had Danny Ings since day. Um, and I said last week, I was like, play Danny Ings because he's against his former team. He's going to score. And so I did. So that was my kind of saving grace, Danny Ings and his bonus point, even though he didn't start. So I was a little worried when I f- realised in the highlights, I was like, I don't think Ings is playing. And then I saw him come on and I was like, well, this will be good. And then it was. So yeah, that was good. So I didn't have too bad of a week, actually. I ended up finishing on 50 points overall. Um, Nine above the average. Which is quite a lot, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think, really, it it was a bit of a weird week because there weren't many clean sheets. So I did end up getting 11 points from Luca Dean, which was very, very welcome. But there was a point when Robertson and Van Dijk were on close to 20 points and... It was that crazy mm. goal they conceded that, that really let me down. I mean, Danny Ings was kind of my saving grace for this week, I think, because he cut everyone else down whilst I was possibly the only person in the world who benefited from him scoring that goal. Oh, absolutely. And I hate you for it. But I, uh, I had Angus Gunn in goal for two points. That didn't work. I was really hoping for more save points from him, but... Yeah, Southampton got got mugged off again, didn't they? By some brilliance, to be fair, from Mane. Yeah, for Um, sure. Elsewhere, I had two points from a load of players. Uh, De La Feu let me down again. Watford didn't look very impressive. Isaac Perez and Tillemans, who I was really excited for, actually. It was a little bit disappointing, really, because I felt that they could have been one of the... Oh, this is a good opportunity for them, right? Leicester to put themselves on the map. Chelsea are in a little bit of disarray. They just lost 4-0 to Man, uh, to Man United. I thought they'd do better than they did. And they just weren't very decisive in attack. And they really wasted their first half. So they were they were pretty disappointing. Trossard, though. One of my winners of the week. VAR can't hold him down. He uh, walked away with seven points, which was... Much needed after last week's no-show. And then it was Sterling and Aubameyang, and I wasn't really sure who to captain. I had a bit of a dilemma. I had it on Sterling all week, and I ended up changing quite late uh, my decision to to switch to Aubameyang because basically I knew about the Burnley record. He'd scored a brace in each of his last three meetings with Burnley. Also had an inkling that Pepe might start for Arsenal, and I just felt that the likelihood of that being you know, a five-goal game versus a Spurs game being a five-goal game, it was it was more likely um, that Aubameyang could have a positive impact. And I think also Aubameyang looked amazing in preseason, looks really, really fit. So that was what I did in the end, and they both scored the same points, so it was all, all irrelevant. Anyway, moving on to our review of game week two, 
There are only two clean sheets this week from Everton and Sheffield United. But yeah, great stats from Everton. 10 clean sheets in 13 now. (laughs) Yeah, I don't really know what to do about Everton defenders. Well, I would say that, you know, aside from that, they also have five consecutive home clean sheets and they have a pretty nice run of fixtures on the way. So they're certainly a team you should be looking at as, as a potential option, especially if we turn our attention to Liverpool, where there's a situation with the goalkeeper, obviously Alisson out for six to eight weeks. I know there's an international break that tempers that a little bit, but how does that affect the value of those Liverpool defenders? Um, We've already seen them fail to keep clean sheets in two games you'd usually expect them to do well in. And while Liverpool are playing Arsenal, admittedly at Anfield, uh, Everton have Aston Villa away from home. And who do they play after that? Uh, Wolves at home after that. And then after the international break, they have Bournemouth away and Sheffield at home. Okay, so it's a really nice run of fixtures. You maybe look at Wolves as, you know, being the tricky one in there, but that's at home at Goodison where they have this great mm. clean sheet record as well. It It's a really encouraging set of fixtures. Yeah, they do have a good... I think they play Man City in the fifth week, like week from the fifth week from now. Um, but then after that, their fixtures aren't bad at all either. So I'm looking at Yerry Mina because I prefer a player who's not six million. Um... He's currently priced at five. Well, all of the other defenders who play are priced at 5.5. But Mina has picked up four bonus points across the last two games. But it's frustrating because still this isn't enough data to do anything based on. And I still don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing. So I probably won't get him in until after the international break anyway. But that's my situation. Yeah, it's slightly weird for me because I was not really Luca Dean's biggest fan last year, I think it's fair to say. Oh, you weren't at all. But I've come around on the guy a lot since, and I think there's a few reasons for this, right? So one of them, when he came into the side, they weren't keeping on a lot of clean sheets. Um, And a lot of his points were coming from long shot goals, free kicks, assists. Mm. At the time, I guess I didn't know a lot about the player. I didn't know quite how good his delivery was. Um, it turns out it's great, but like, you know, I remember him scoring a brace around Christmas and it was after he'd conceded a goal and I'd celebrated the conceded goal and it was because everyone in our league owned him and then he scored two goals and you're like, what the hell? Like, this is not sustainable. I don't see how this is happening. But I guess the difference now, right, is that this Everton side have shown that they're capable of keeping clean sheets. They're capable of defending. And if I'm spending six million on a defender, what I want to know is that they're capable with, you know, some regularity of of keeping clean sheets because that's kind of the bread and butter for your defenders. It's keeping clean sheets. And then anything over and above that is a bonus or um, in lieu of a clean sheet, the defender gets a goal or assist and it kind of brings your your total back up it gets you above that that dreaded blank status um yeah i i look at the other defenders around his price range and i'm i'm looking at um the liverpool guys you know i went for a double up with liverpool uh, tr- uh not trent robertson and van dyke And that was on the strength of knowing that these guys can get attacking returns, but really they're going to keep clean sheets in most games, especially against the quote-unquote rubbish teams 
like um, Norwich and Southampton, for example. And they're not doing that. They're not offering that. Whereas Luca Dean, he's kept two clean sheets in two games. Okay, maybe about against some uh, pretty horrid attacks, but he's doing it. And he, he got an assist um, for Everton against um, Watford this weekend. He's also kind of a creator for Everton because they're not really functioning too well in attack at the moment and he is one of the main chance creators especially with the quality of his delivery so I don't feel like I'm relying on him to score long shots anymore I feel like that is something he can do but clean sheets are something that he's more than capable of and at 6.0 I mean other comparable players Man City uh, the only starter they have a at 6 million is Kyle Walker. They have Sinchenko at 5.5, of course. Is he going to be a guaranteed starter longer term? Um, I'm not 100% sure. I know they signed Jao Cancelo, for example, from Juventus. His natural position is right back, so that would he would come in for Walker. But Walker's been playing out of his skin the last few weeks. And Sinchenko doesn't really offer anything in attack. And I know that Cancelo, one of the things he's known for, things he's known for is have having great pace and being very good going forward and he has been known to play left back for Juventus a lot so I wonder if Cancelo is going to end up finding a place in that in that team eventually and Walker is a little bit more nailed on so one player who really surprised me this weekend actually just with his general all-round quality and a I thought he would be just a bit of a, a poacher, but Timu Puki, what a, a striker. Unfortunately, his next three fixtures are absolutely nasty. Yes, I know. The fixtures are horrible. It's Chelsea at home, West Ham away, and then after the international break, City at home, and then Burnley away. Like, yeah, sure, the guy scored against against Liverpool, but... Does that mean he can do it against Chelsea? I don't know. I don't think I'd be as excited... Then I. I believe there are other options. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I wouldn't be as hype about getting him in for those fixtures. And that doesn't mean he won't score in any of them. But I'd just be a little cautious. This was a, an interesting game because I think I, I learned a bit about Puki. I learned that he's actually a much better player than I maybe initially thought he might have been. Like I had this idea in my head and this is always a way of promoted teams. Like if you don't watch the championship, which I don't, um, you don't really know what you're getting. And I assumed he was just a kind of goal poacher. But actually, looking at the way he plays, like his first goal, really, really nice volley. Um, he he finds himself in the right spaces. He's a little bit quicker than I thought he was. And I just think he's he's quite intelligent with his movement. So the I think the second finish, the second and third, actually, in particular, were just really, really smart. Like he kind of reminded me a little bit of Glenn Murray there, but just a a little bit more athletic than him. That said, Newcastle were absolutely awful in all areas. Um, They were very passive. I I think Cantwell, is that, is it Cantwell? I was going to go Cantwell. Let's, let's say Cantwell and I'll, I'll listen next week for the, what the commentators say, but he looked really impressive. And it was a question for me of like, is this because Newcastle are being really passive? Because that was how it looked to me. Like they were mm-hmm. giving those players a lot of space. Uh, Puki's second goal in particular, you can just see how they stand off him and they allow him to sort of set the ball and shoot. And it was a really, really nice goal, really smart finish. But I don't know if he's going to get that kind of time and space against other teams. And I think uh, 
at 6.7 now, if you're you're looking at him and you're thinking this is the guy to get in, I mean, you can project that against um, Chelsea, West Ham and Man City. I mean, you've got Chelsea there who are a little bit uncertain. Uh, you've got Man... Uh, you've got West Ham, sorry, who aren't the best defensively, and then Man City, which is probably a no-go. But, like, I could see Puki scoring against those teams, but he's just had his hat-trick, and it was against Newcastle, and it was a first home game of the season. So I think there's an element of this being just a good home game for them. They were up for it. Newcastle very much weren't. And for me, like, looking at Newcastle, Steve Bruce, he's he's not a Premier League-level coach. Like, the team just doesn't motivate it. The play's... Even the attacking players don't seem to know like where they're supposed to be uh, when they have the ball, when they have possession in the opposition half. So it's it's not looking good for Newcastle. I don't know if they're going to get battered like 3-4-1 every game, but yeah, I, I wouldn't read too much into this for um, Pukki's future because he's going to come up against tougher defences. Yeah. Are you, um, are you liking anyone from this Norwich team? Do you think any of them are worth kind of going for or would you wait considering the fixtures both um I quite like the sound of both Campwell and before this week I was looking at Buendia um the appeal being that they're both 4.5 and I could do with downgrading Townsend to someone yeah cheaper so yeah I think they're good alternatives and they're also they're good alternatives to Dendonka who everyone has it's just a bit boring hmm. but uh originally I did need to make that downgrade this week but actually I think I can wait which is good I'd quite like to wait another week see whether I which one of Campwell and Buendia I want and then inevitably decide that there's actually another 4.5 midfielder from Norwich that I want instead well that's exactly it that's why you wait for this kind of stuff because when it's a player that's new to the league maybe it's good to just get a little bit more information before you you go crazy for them. I've seen a lot of wildcard teams with uh, with three Norwich players in them. And I'm just wondering, are people maybe getting a little bit ahead of themselves? I mean, the, the thing I also want to stress here is I'm not saying that like Norwich can't do well against those teams. But fantasy football isn't really a game where you deliberately go for massive differentials from like day three. Because yeah. you think they might do, you think Norwich might do well against Chelsea and West Ham and Man City. Like... I don't think that's particularly a smart gamble unless you know something that I don't. So I, I'd probably hold off. And I think Cantwell, Cantwell is really going to annoy me because it looks like two words <laughs> in my head. And, and every time I go to say it, I'm like, Cantwell, he can't do anything well. Well, he can football well, that's for sure. Uh, no, he looked really good. I was really impressed with him. He seemed to be the guy who was sort of driving the team forward and... Um, really, really helped getting getting Pukia's goals. So they look good. Southampton versus Liverpool, I thought was interesting. I thought Southampton were much, much better in the first half. And even when, when Liverpool were 2-1 up, like Danny Ings had the best chance ever and just completely yeah. missed the ball. <laughs> okay, maybe not the best chance ever. Maybe that's a little but bit of exaggeration. It was very and good. missed it. Yeah, and I, I had this game down as a draw, actually, because I thought Southampton, you know, they're... They are maybe a little bit profligate with their finishing, but I thought they would have improved this year and I, they still look good. It's just they're, they're not massively solid defensively and they don't have any real clinical finishers. And I think Che Adams is the guy we're looking to to kind of be that. 
But he, I think he had 25 goals in the championship and he might take a little bit of adjustment. He does look good. He does look impressive. But yeah, it, it was always going to be a tough game for um, for Southampton. The Liverpool defence. I So I already mentioned earlier on like um, that you could, you know, downgrade Robertson or, or one of the Liverpool defenders to Luca Dean, for example, if you were looking to, to get rid how do you feel about Liverpool defenders at the moment? Because with Adrian in goal, I think he's going to be targeted. He had a few sort of sketchy moments in both the, the Super Cup game and this game. Not to mention his assist for Danny Ings' goal. That's what I'm talking about. Like that is, he was the cause of that. And at that point, I was, you know, banking my points. I was like, hell yeah, like almost 20 points from Van Dijk and Robertson. This is great. But then... Adrian happens and it's one of those curious cases of just like he's a good goalkeeper but the way that Liverpool play much like most big teams now is they want the goalkeeper to use his feet and when you put someone who isn't really used to doing it in that position they just take a little bit too long and they put pressure on themselves so um what do you think do you think it's a a cause for concern that you should maybe be moving away from these Liverpool defenders for now I don't know it's mm, I I don't know I've got more pressing matters so I'm just keeping Robertson just because I can't be bothered to deal with it you've only got one as well right so exactly so you're not you're basically saying you have more pressing matters if say my Liverpool defender was the only issue in my team (laughs) oh yeah then I'd definitely downgrade one and yeah whichever one you thought was less likely to get assists or goals my team my boys Arsenal played Burnley and they won the game and Sean Dyche would you believe it he's never beaten Arsenal in the league but I was quite excited by everyone absolutely losing their shit about how how many times Arsenal have beat Burnley oh so-and-so scored this many goals against Burnley I was like yeah but was Pope in goal for all of those games well that's the big question isn't it but Heaton probably was maybe Joe Hart for one well this is it (laughs) Yeah, uh, this this is an an interesting game actually. I think um, Burnley beat Arsenal in the XG as well, so it was a a day of of small teams beating the big teams on that. But I thought Arsenal have improved a lot, like just in the the pure like function of the team. Um, Sabios obviously being a key part of that, and at five point five, I've probably gone up to five point six now, maybe even more. Um, he just looked like a key cog in the machine of just being in midfield, being able to take the ball under pressure, being able to pass it around and really helping us in that sort of style of playing it out from the back. Like I mentioned, you know, Liverpool tried to do, but Adrian just gives it to Danny Ings. I think Ceballos really, really helped and Pepe coming on at half time looked really, really promising. Um, from game week, uh, game week four, I think Arsenal have some really good attacking potential. I mean, I've got, all of these fixtures down as green, but that's with my own sort of headcanon where Arsenal are the absolute best team in the world. So maybe take it with a pinch of salt, but it's Spurs are at home in game week four, which is traditionally a game with a lot of goals. Uh, then you've got Watford away, Aston Villa at home, Man United away, Bournemouth at home, Sheffield United away and Crystal Palace at home. Lots mm. and lots of good fixtures there. And I think what we're seeing with Arsenal is they're just slowly starting to get to grips with not only the things that Emery wanted to, uh, them to do, but they're also getting the players that allow those things to be possible. And um, even Monreal looked really, really impressive because 
he was linking up really well with Sabios and uh, Maitland-Niles too. And he's going to be in the team for a good, a good long while now. The only question about that is, you know, can Arsenal keep clean sheets? I'm still on the fence about that. Uh, I think Burnley are a little bit underrated in terms of their finishing. Like, matey boy, uh, I was going to call him Barnes. Fraser. Barnes. Yeah, proper proper finisher. And he got a bit lucky with his goal in this game, but he's always a always a threat. Um, any any love for for Barnes considering his fixtures? Because they're a bit tough. It's Wolves away, Liverpool at home, Brighton away, Norwich at home. So maybe game week five with that Brighton... Yeah, that's it. Like, so Wood is out this week, which was kind of my plan anyway. It was either Wood or Ings were always going to be out this... Yeah, I'd be cautious about getting Barnes in at this juncture because of the fixtures. But if you want to go ahead, I don't mind. Uh, Yeah, so I'd probably look at getting one of them in whenever you said game week five. So after the international break, that's quite nice if you're doing a wild card. Yeah, Uh, McNeil got the assist for the goal. I don't know what it was because I didn't watch it. As I said, I didn't watch any of the football. But maybe he is an option come game week five. How much is he? Six. Yeah, he is six. McNeil looks sharp. He was, I think, the most threatening player in this game against, um, for Burnley, rather. Um, Yeah, there are a few things I I had to note. Like when Pepe came on at halftime, he looked really threatening on the counter-attack. Should have really walked away with an assist and Aubameyang a second goal, but he just messed up his execution um and Ceballos was sensational I think at his price I mean all of the the talk about Ceballos before he came in was he's not really a guy who's going to get many assists or goals he's more kind of the guy who's in the build-up play before that Mm -hmm. and I kind of I think that's true but at the moment there aren't an awful lot of effective 5.5 options so he's in that price range where there's so little to choose from. I mean, it's um, McGinn is like the other option that that springs to mind. I just I just felt like this guy was at the center of everything. So maybe he is one to look at, and he can certainly be a player that's going to play every week that has a chance of of getting a goal or assist, and can free up some cash for your uh, for your strikers or another sort of midfield upgrade or something. So yeah, he looked good. Arsenal have improved. Liverpool next. I don't know if I'd be transferring players in <laughs> just now, but uh, I don't know. If you wanted to take a wild gamble, Aubameyang and Pepe look decent. I don't know if Pepe's got a start, but he might do. Um, and yeah, we'll see. Aston Villa versus Bournemouth. Bournemouth are fucked. Their fixtures absolutely suck. Um, I had a really confusing moment looking at the bonus points because I was convinced that there was a glitch and that Callum Wilson hadn't been given bonus points and the people in my mini league were actually being underscored, but no, it turns out I was just thinking of Callum Wilson. The bonus point was actually to Harry Wilson. Why haven't Why haven't FPL put their full names on the thing? I don't understand. All they need, all they need, just put H dot Wilson or something. Like it's, no it's not hard. But I guess they they didn't account for it because it happened quite late. And yeah, it's confusing. And I yeah, but just change it now. Yeah, just make the edit now. Surely someone has the power to do that. Villa dominated this game, really. It's quite weird. Like, Bournemouth, I, I know they can score against most teams, but they just haven't looked lively at all. And Fraser, for me, doesn't look at the same level he was last season. And I don't know if this is just because, as we've said many times, Bournemouth go through these little phases, don't they, where they're 
they're really good and then they're really bad and then they're really good yeah and this has been a weird in between because they've actually been quite bad for both of these fixtures and they've come away with four points so i don't i don't really know what to to grasp from this but it i would say it was more down to an error from Villa, which really gifted the uh, gifted the game to them early on with your main man, Tom Heaton. Did you see this one? No. No. He gave away a penalty really early on. Um, oh, I think 40 okay. seconds into the game. And it was one of those where, like, the player was running off the pitch, but he just clipped him, and it was a penalty. Uh. And then when you're Aston Villa, you're a promoted team. I mean, they, they looked really, really solid against Spurs until they conceded and yeah. it was all from a Grealish mistake and it all fell apart. And that's kind of what happened here. It just happened earlier. You know, they conceded the first goal and then they had to come out. They played really, really well. Um, they just made crucial mistakes at crucial times. And and you can't really do that in the Premier League because, you know, you will, you will lose those games. What I did notice, so they created better chances, but their finishing wasn't good. Um, McGinn, he shoots absolutely all the time, which is a negative for bonus points. Because, you know, shots off target count against you. But he will eventually get goals doing this. And uh, he did score a nice goal against Spurs. So he's still a very good option at his cheap price. But I think he's the only option that represents good value for money. Uh, I think 5.6 now. Um, Other options like Grealish, who's at 6.0. You've got Wesley up front, who doesn't seem like a scorer at all. And you've got Hotta, not to be confused with Jota. But I haven't really seen much of him in attack. Trezeguet could come into the thinking at 5.5. But I don't know. It's it's kind of... Um, it remains to be seen with Aston Villa. And uh, Can we talk about El Mohamedy's three bonus points? He got three bonus points. Did he assist or yeah. something? No. How did this happen? I don't know. I didn't even notice it. Like, this completely escaped me because... Like no one owns him <laughs> so it wasn't yeah. relevant but that is strange he must have been really good right yeah i read on the internet that he didn't start and i told someone i was like no apparently El Mohamedy doesn't actually start well apparently he does start and apparently he gets fucked tons of bonus yeah points apparently <laughs> apparently he just gets the bonus points based on being there being alive that's, yeah, that's very strange no okay fair enough um, Heaton and Mings, still good options at 4.5, even though Heaton had his little nightmare. He's still got to do that every week, so it's all good. Uh, Bournemouth, I'm taking out Fraser now. That experiment's yeah, over. Uh, I don't I don't think anyone should really be holding on to Bournemouth assets against Man City and Leicester and Everton in their next three, but I don't know. Some people probably still, still believe, but those look like tricky fixtures to me. Uh, Man City played Spurs. Man City have outrageously good fixtures, and Kevin De Bruyne looked extremely effective. So effective, I made my two transfers this week and I brought Kyle Walker and Kevin De Bruyne in. For who? Uh, for Robertson and Fraser. Okay, so you still have Van Dyke. I still have Van Dyke, yeah. Okay. I'm currently benching Van Dyke for Issa Diop, which is a slightly... You know... I considered it. <laughs> I considered this. Yeah, I, I'm not so worried about leaving out Van Dyke because I think his chances, his chances to score on, you know, it's got to be the forwards that are creating the chances against Arsenal for sure, and and the wing backs. Like, I don't really see them getting much joy from corners, which could be famous last words. But yeah, I don't really, 
I don't really look at them and think they're going to be um, amazing in that on that front. Um, City, just for anyone who isn't across this, they have Bournemouth away next, so obvious Sterling captaincy time. Uh, Brighton at home, Norwich away, Watford at home, Everton away, Wolves at home, Crystal Palace away, Aston Villa at home, Southampton at home. They do not play a top six side for freaking ages. And a lot of those are sort of lower ranking sides or, or sides that are maybe not quite assured defensively. So I'm very excited about this. Uh, I think this could be a very good move to to make. And I'm glad I'm not like looking at wildcarding in week three. That's that's pretty epic. Um yeah, I think Kevin De Bruyne, it's hard to ignore him. He's looking, I don't know if he's like 100% fully fit, but he does look more like the Kevin De Bruyne from the season before last. And everything is going through him. He's had a full preseason, so you would think he's not going to spend loads of time getting injured again. Um, and yeah, I just think he makes everything tick at 9.5 or, yeah, he's gone up to 9.6. Of course he has. Uh, yeah, I think I think even at that price, he's quite hard to ignore. Uh, Spurs lucked out. I mean, they. <laughs> this is the biggest XG differential since like 2017 or something. It was like 0.22 for Spurs to 3 XG for Man City. And I don't really know. I don't know how to explain this. Like Mora was benched. He came on and scored with his first touch. Lamella, I don't think is even a reliable starter. And he scored a goal and got an assist. And the defense is questionable. So... I can't really look at this Spurs team and be like, hey, you should get one of their players. But at the same time, they play Newcastle at home next. So you look at that and you think, well, maybe. But yeah, for me, it's um, I've made my transfers. And if I was going to bring anyone in, any attacker from Spurs, it would probably be Harry Kane. Uh, I think Son is back now as well. He's He's served his suspension, but... I don't know. I don't know what kind of condition he's in. I don't know if he's going to start. So I think that would be a risky shout, but could be, could be very, very good. You like that as like a an outside sort of differential shout, bringing Son in? No. No? Okay, fair enough. But I think someone out there will, and I'm hoping they come to the fore. I like Ndombele as a more exciting differential shout. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to figure out what he is, because he isn't a defensive midfielder by the looks of things. I just don't know if he's going to do big numbers. He's he's at a weird price point, right? Because, you know, I was talking about Ceballos being at that like 5.5, 5.6 range. Yeah. And Dombele is six. And that for me is like, mm. that has to be an attacking player at that point. Like I would not yeah, spend that much on, on someone who isn't an attacker. Whereas I probably 5.5 and below, I don't mind if someone's like a bit more of a, a deeper lying player because you're not expecting them to get chances every week. And uh, that brings me quite neatly on to another 6.0 midfielder who looks very good, very bright, and he plays for Brighton. And that's, uh, what's his first name? Leandro Trossard. He looks great. Yeah, I'm going to get him. He shoots a lot. He didn't get any bonus points because I think he just put too many shots off target. But he looks sort of like the the main man in this side. And he's one of the players I had week one who didn't play. I held on to him. And uh, was rewarded, even if VAR had a little something to say about it by disallowing his first goal, which was annoying. But, you know, it happens. Uh, Brighton look completely different. Like, they've evolved. They they look more like Southampton than the Brighton of last season. So, 
I think um, Trossard gets into great positions. The striker situation is a question mark. Uh, Murray started on his own this weekend. I thought Brighton were by far the better team in this game, which is perhaps worrying for West Ham. But Lanzini looked really bright as well. He he had some really nice dribbles and they have really, really good fixtures coming up. So yeah. maybe if you're looking, I don't know, to downgrade a more expensive midfielder to make a move somewhere else, Lanzini at 6.5, he looks like he could be important over the next few weeks. Uh, it's Watford next away, then Norwich at home, then Aston Villa away. So they're... Yeah, this is the thing, is that West Ham actually have really good fixtures and Lanzini is my go-to. Like, I want Lanzini, but I can't move the money around well enough yeah. to get him in this week unless I make three transfers, which I don't really want to do. Yeah, it's not worth it for Lanzini because at that point, you need him to score six points just to break even at two. Yeah, so, exactly. And I don't think he'll... The thing about Lanzini is he's not like... um He's never been a guy who gets big numbers in terms of assists and goals. And I keep wanting it to happen because I believe he's talented enough for it. But West Ham really needs to get that attack right. And it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't clicked. I mean, there were moments it clicked with Arnautovic under Moyes and moments even under Pellegrini with Arnautovic. But then Arnautovic had his little China moment and it all went wrong. And yeah, I just don't know if you can rely on on Lanzini yet even though I freaking love him as a player I think the big the big issue this week for them was that their new striker Aller was injured and he didn't get to play so although Chicharito got a nice goal I think the thing about Aller is he's very very good in build-up play and that's one of the things that, that West Ham really need if they're to improve they they need to be able to hold the ball in attacking areas and they need to be able to get that final pass right and it just doesn't happen often enough I'm not really sure what to make of Brighton's defence. I mean, they conceded, but... But Lewis Dunk still got a bonus point. He still got a bonus point. So I guess, like, Lewis Dunk is looking value for money right now. Still a... Is he 4.6 now? You tweeted about it, didn't you? I do like the look of Mope. I just think we need to watch what happens with that striker situation. If there's anyone from Brighton you should be looking at, it's definitely Trossard. Um, What their fixtures like they have. Southampton next. Then Man City away, so... Not game week four, not so good. Uh, then it's Burnley, Newcastle, Chelsea. So it's kind of a mixed bag. There's some good stuff in there, though, and he's a good price. So you probably don't mind that. Um, Sheffield United played Palace. Lundstrom 4.0, obviously fantastic. Uh, I say that, he's gone up. Fixtures are the problem for Sheffield United. Um, up next, they have Leicester and Chelsea back-to-back. Yeah. So probably not a good time to bring in a Sheffield United defender, even if he plays out of position, because he's in midfield, isn't he? Like, if you don't actually intend to play him, and he's just going to sit on your bench for four million, then yeah, go off, buy him, do what you like. Yeah. It doesn't matter about fixtures, does it? But if you're going to play him, maybe, like, make sure that you're playing, you've got, like, play other defenders you can switch around in the right weeks and stuff. Yeah. For for me, like this transfer's off the table now because he's gone up to four point one. So it's like no, nope, can't. <laughs> I think I bought one Bissaka last year at four point one. He was worth it though. I didn't have him. Yeah, he was well, yeah. for sure worth it. Um, but I would still recommend Sheffield Henderson. Oh, he's great, isn't he? Yeah, I just don't know why I can't take my own advice. That's my problem so far this season. Oh yeah, get Pokey in. Didn't. Oh yeah, Sheffield Henderson. He looks good. 
didn't. You know why? Because it's risky. Because these are unproven players, so you don't know what you're going to get. But the risk in this scenario would have paid off, so yes. regrettable, I guess. If you need a goalkeeper, there you go. Yeah, for sure. Pick him. Um, Sheffield United, I thought they were by far the better team in this game. They weren't overly impressive in attack, but Palace, man, what is going on? I mean, it's it's Zaha just trying to take everyone on, but everyone knows that Zaha is the only player. Like, I, I don't think that Palace actually created any big chances whatsoever. And I'd be very worried about them at the moment because Sheffield United, like, this is a home game for them, much like Norwich. It's their first home game of the season against a team that might struggle. They did really, really well to get, get a result, but Palace didn't attack at all really I I don't think there was ever one point where I thought that Sheffield United weren't going to keep a clean sheet there was no real spell for Palace so worrying times for them and I'd be worried if you had Zaha because I think he's he's not going to be worth his price while he's at Palace at least not performing this way Um, Chelsea played Leicester on Sunday and Chelsea have very encouraging fixtures I'm not really sure how good they are um, I had a few players involved in this. So Ayuso Perez, I've seen that he's being bombed out by a lot of people. Uh, also Tillemans and Ricardo Pereira looked fairly decent in this game. Uh, Vardy, I, he was kind of non-existent for the most part, actually. It was really uh, Madison that came to the fore and I don't like him at all. Never really been a fan of, of Madison. You hate Mostly Madison. just because his personality annoys me. Uh, I do think he's a talented footballer. I don't think he's as effective as someone like Tillemans because he actually, for the amount of possession that he has, he creates a lot of like crap chances, <laughs> like ones that are very uh, low quality, not likely to be scored. But he does create good ones every now and then. In this game, he really did shine. Um, he should have scored too. He he ran past like all the Chelsea defenders and just skied it. Probably a little bit too pricey for me, but... This was a strange one. Like Chelsea in the first half were much better than Leicester. Uh, they just chased them down constantly. And yeah, that was that was kind of the vibe. And Leicester didn't know how to string like three or four passes together. Second half, it completely changed. And Leicester were the better team. Chelsea didn't know how to deal with it. And really, it was just quite disappointing from um, from the attacking players from Leicester. Like they didn't seem to make the right decisions when they were counter-attacking and that would be the worry for me at the moment is I, I guess it you could put it down to rustiness uh, it's early in the season still but if you do have someone like Iosi Perez I probably wouldn't get rid of him this week because if you expected him to score against Chelsea and against um Wolves yeah Wolves was the first game wasn't it if you expected him to score against those I mean I could have seen goals coming in them but I don't think it's necessarily fair to think that your 6.5 should be scoring in all of those types of uh types of games so i'd look ahead and i see sheffield united away bournemouth at home and man united away in the next three and i think if by the bournemouth game he's not doing it then it's probably time to get rid but if you've if you've held on onto him for the first two weeks surely just just hold on right yeah i'm keeping vardy for at least the next two yeah just because like yeah, it seems silly. It's kind of like what I, I think I did this with Aubameyang last year. That was my big situation. Was I ended up having him for the two bad fixtures at the start and then having to get rid in the third game where the fixtures got better. Mm. And also, they're not that expensive. So it's not like you're holding on to them and they're like ruining your whole entire team. That's what I'm saying. So like, just chill out. You don't expect your 6.5 to score in every game. Like, that's just kind of unrealistic. And 
Leicester are, I think, demonstrably quite a bit better than Sheffield United and Bournemouth in terms of their their playing squad, um, their ability. So they should be winning those games. And I think that is when we'll get the information that we need. And I think if you're getting rid of Perez now or you're getting rid of Vardy now, you're maybe going to have a rude awakening when they end up getting points in the next few games. Or they won't. I don't know. Who who knows what's going to happen? But I would hold fire for now. Oh, that was it. We've been through all the games. <laughs> I forgot we spoke about Wolves at the beginning. I guess I, yeah. I do want to just ask a question. Like, I know a few people out there have Jimenez. Is, is he really an option at 7.5? Because he hasn't scored yet. It's a bit of a mixed bag fixtures-wise. They have Burnley and Everton next and then Chelsea after that. Yeah, I'm still not interested in Wolves players. And they still have Europa League as well because yeah. they keep winning those. Yeah, why are they doing that? Winning those with youth teams Idiots. as well. Madness. Yeah, I- I'm a little bit unsure. And I think the thing about Jimenez last year that was so appealing was he started at 5.5. 7.5. I don't know if you're going to get good value for that. I think someone like Ayuzi Perez, for example, in midfield at 6.5 or even James Madison, if if you're someone who likes him, like he's only 7.0. And they get extra points for goals. And yeah, they have better fixtures for the next two. So I probably wouldn't hold on to Jimenez if I had him right. Or maybe I would for one more week, just for that Burnley game, see what happens. But yeah, I I don't really think his price makes him a great option. Jota at 6.5. I didn't see the game, so I can't really give too much insight on how they played. But I think that's kind of a little bit more reasonable. Um, okay, do you want to talk about the Denalysis Domestic? This is our competitive FPL league that you can join. If you check us out on Twitter, at the Denalysis, we have the league code in there. And also, it's in the show notes. It's in the show notes every week. It's there. But Stephen, I appreciate you emailing and asking us what the league code was, because that's the kind of proactivity we need. Um, but also, it is in the show notes every week. <laughs> so yeah, Denalysis Domestic, please join. It's nice. It's nice there. Um, our top scorer this week is Sarah Johns, 79 points. Not only is she a woman, disgusting, <laughs> uh, she took an eight-point hit, disgusting her, and still at 71 points, like obviously 79 minus eight, 71, is still the top scorer in the league this week. The most disgustingest part of all of that. That is that is pretty impressive. It is. What? with the transfers one of them was a goalkeeper transfer which is very strange one of them was patricio to a different goalkeeper that she maybe didn't play i don't know it was all quite weird but still it didn't matter because 79 points and here's me on 33 yeah patricio to heaton and that patricio saved the penalty so she could have done even better that's amazing (laughs) well well done anyway sarah you still uh you still managed to be the highest scorer in the league so Imagine how good it could have been if you kept Patricio. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> like a move that no one would have expected yeah. to go badly. Um, in first place in the league also, uh, who Stefan Hofseth, who is new to the league this week and straight in at first place. I think that's cheating, but yeah, <laughs> whatever. we got to allow it. <laughs> we must allow. Um, an honourable mention to Barry McAllenden, who claims that he—I haven't checked, I haven't fact-checked this—but he claims he would have been the top scorer last week if he joined his if he joined our league on oh, time. Oh no! You snooze, you lose. Well, listen, right? You got thirty-six weeks to make it up, make up for it. So 
Yeah. Come on. You can do you it. Can, you, can be, you can be top scorer again if you try hard enough. And also, finally, I'm just stuck it here so that I remembered, so I'm going to say it now. Um, thank you to Cavi, who gave us an Apple review on the Apple podcast team. Oh, really? Much appreciated. Five stars and a, and a written review. Oh, my main person. Is Cavi a, a, a guy or girl? I'm making the assumption that Cavi is a man, but I only know a female yeah, Cavi. That, Do you remember that's Cavi? That's why I had of... the problem, because I'm like, I, the only Cavi I know is female. What the hell? <laughs> okay, we'll assume it's a guy because, you know, football and that. But Sarah Johns was the top scorer of the league, so who I knows? Know. Who knows? It's really fucking up the Patreon. It's crazy. I like it, though. I like it. It's a brave new world. Cool. So well done, everyone in the league. Uh, I don't know where I am. I don't really care yet. It's too. I'm a hundredth. I really. I. <laughs> yeah. I'm. Yeah. Oh god, I'm in so many leagues. I'm fifty third. I think that's respectable. Ish. Is it? I don't think either. It's only week two, man. It's only week two. You know, this is all about. It's all about community now. That's what we're here for. Anyway, uh-huh. the person uh, David David Lote in second place. Mm. Pulisicki on Monday. I quite like that. That's quite good. I thought it was quite good, but I didn't want to admit that it was good. Your mum's Zahore is a little bit... Mm. That's So that's Joe, uh, Charlie's friend Joe. Yeah, that's a, that's a bit uh, a bit offensive for my liking, Joe. <laughs> and the Balotelli <laughs> Tubbies gonna... is great. <laughs> I really like that. Who's that? That's Kieran. That's that guy, Kieran. Oh, yeah, I really like that. No, I just, I can't find him on Twitter now. No, he's Kieran Whitehouse. Oh, God. And different There's Kieran a different w. Kieran. Kieran with a W. Oh, my days. I'm so sorry, Kieran. Unless he's just changed his... Maybe he has two names. Before everyone falls asleep, let's do a Game Week 3 preview. What are you saying? Who are you captaining? What are you doing? Uh, obviously Sterling. Yeah. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? There's certainly a compelling... When is the game? It's 2 p.m. on Sunday. Oh, yeah, definitely 100% a true. That's it. We've got a Friday night game. So, you know, if you're the kind of person who is liable to forget to set your team before the deadline, maybe do it right now when you're listening to this podcast because, you know, you've got to get it done. Got to do your business. Uh, but Aston Villa Everton on Friday night, we got a 12.30 on Saturday, Norwich versus Chelsea. Um, I'm going to have no one in that. Yeah, I'm not going to have anyone playing until the three o'clock. So I've got Luca Dean on Friday night, which I don't like at all. Because having a defender on a Friday night, if they concede, is so like, oh, like it's the risk not, is so yeah. high. Yeah, I'm not playing Heat either. I'm going to play Pike. Yeah, fair, fair play. Uh, Brighton, Southampton, Man United, Palace, Sheffield United versus Leicester and Watford versus West Ham all at 3 p.m. Yeah, there's some good games. here. I think Brighton versus Southampton looks really interesting. That's the yeah. one I'm probably most excited for because these are two teams who... Um, two teams who seem to play in a similar way now and it's going to be interesting to see how they, they fight against each other when they're trying to do the same thing just constantly pressing each other it's just going to be people running at each other all the time which always makes for an entertaining football game um, Man United I mean if you're a, a Rashford owner maybe he gets a penalty yeah. against Crystal Palace maybe he takes it this time I'm going to get Rashford in this are week are you really? yeah for Wood because I was get, the plan was always to get like Tammy in this week. How many transfers have you made so far? Just none or zero. So you still got your your two to go. I'm gonna do uh, Fraser and Wood to Trossard and Rashford. That seems pretty reasonable. Sensible, doesn't yeah. it? 
Yeah, and that's why you wait, because it's really easy to make these moves now. Yeah, Palace, as I said earlier, worried about them. Um, they are still usually defensively solid. I probably wouldn't be quite brave enough to to captain a United player in this game, if I even owned any, uh, purely because Palace aren't going to let you counter-attack because they don't attack. How do you counter <laughs> that which does not attack? Yeah. It's impossible. Uh, Sheffield United at home to Leicester, that could be good. I think I'm holding on to my two Leicester midfielders this week, hoping that they do something in this game. If they don't, maybe one of them is on the chopping block. But actually, I'm feeling pretty chill this season. I'm like, I'm going to ride it out. I don't mind getting the odd two-pointer. Um, as long as, you know, I'm happy with the majority of my team and sort of their upcoming fixtures, I don't mind waiting a week and just banking that second transfer, having a little bit more information. Uh, the big yeah. game of the of the weekend, really, is Liverpool versus Arsenal, and that's a 5.30 kickoff. Yeah, not going to be captain Aubameyang for this. Um, I, I think my plan at the moment, I do want to get Pepe in for De Bruyne at some point. But I'm also kind of basing that on like, how well does Pepe do when he comes into the team? I'm not quite sure yet. I think he's looked really, really bright and he's looked really threatening. But Kevin De Bruyne also looks freaking amazing. And they are just a, they're a better team than Arsenal. So they're more likely to score more goals. But this should be a really interesting match. I, I don't know if if you own Sterling, there's no, there's no captain in a Liverpool player, is there? It's just overthinking at that point, I'm sure. I mean, I don't think Arsenal's defence is as bad as it's made out to be now that Mustafi has gone as well. Yeah. So, and actually, we didn't mention Mane. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's really been the one doing the mostest, hasn't he? Yeah. Throws a bit of a spanner in the works, I think. He's a very awkward price, though. He's like, for me, I mean, it's, un- it's impossible because I can't have a Bamiyang if I want to have a guy like Mane because I want like a... I want a balanced midfield. Like that's where that's where I think a lot of the points are, but I don't want to have like a I don't want to have two upwards of ten million midfielders. Like that's yeah. too much for well, me. Yeah, and you can't have Salah and Mane either. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a bit of a weird one. Like that's the kind of thing you could do for like one or two games, but having that long term is is quite risky, I think. Unless they're scoring yeah. every game, of course. Well, yeah. But very few teams uh, very few players sort of do that so yeah also not particularly fantasy football focused but uh Oxo chamberlain started this he week, did he? he did i don't know if he was, was any nice. good i didn't even notice him in the highlights no i just saw at the start that was just before i fell mm. asleep um they were like oh and Oxo chamberlain starts like, yeah. oh shout out to shout out to good him. lad been won. out for a long time and yeah obviously on sunday we've got bournemouth man city the early kickoff I love when my captain fixture is on a Sunday. It's great. And the ones after it, maybe Spurs Newcastle will be a little bit awkward to watch because this isn't Rafa Benitez's Newcastle. This is Steve Bruce's Newcastle. I'm not sure they can defend or attack. So yeah, I'm not really sure about this one. I think this is, if you have Harry Kane, he's a good captain shout. I am a little comforted by the fact that Kane didn't do anything the weekend just passed yeah them. but it was you know against man city i don't expect kane to do anything i he didn't do anything against aston villa apart from at the end of the game where he just found himself in the right the right place and and yeah. finished his chances which is what a player like him does to be fair like you don't the weird thing about fantasy is you don't need to be you don't need a player that's involved like 
in every single yeah. move in the game. You just need the one who yeah. gets it, gets the goal. So I think Harry Kane is, you know, clearly a very good player when it comes to just getting the goals and against Newcastle and at home. It looks tantalising, but for me, Bournemouth against Man City, I mean, Man City are just, this has 5-0 written all over it, especially as they drop points against Spurs. So I think that's probably the one that's going to have the bigger score. Still think Spurs are going to comfortably win against Newcastle, but maybe it's not going to be a a cricket score, so to speak. And then also at 4.30, you have Wolves against Burnley, which I'm also going to have no players in, but that could be an interesting one. I mean, that's... You've got the kind of fashionable outsiders in Wolves and then you've got Burnley who are just maybe unfashionable outsiders. Like they actually play quite good football, but people think they're just orcs. So, yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. Well, do you have anything else to add before we wrap this here podcast up? Yes, I'd like to do the clean sheet cut, please. Oh, goodness. You can go first because I went first last week. Okay. I'm going to set. Who did I say last week? You said Arsenal. Yeah. You said Arsenal for the last two yeah. weeks. Okay, so it's got to be Man City against Bournemouth. I don't think Bournemouth are going to touch the ball anywhere near enough to score a goal. Uh, I'm going to say Wolves-Burnley 0-0. Oh my God, you're going for the big guns. When is the last time Wolves actually kept a clean sheet besides the Leicester game? (laughs) Because it's literally last week, (laughs) but they don't do it often. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Okay, fair enough. I like it. It's it's brave, at least. Thanks. I was going to say Everton originally, but I don't like Friday it. Friday night as well. Yeah, and a Friday. Imagine, like imagine losing the Clean Sheet Cup on a Friday night. Your weekend's already yeah, over. Okay. Well, thank you for listening, everybody who's gotten this far. What can you do? You can follow us on Twitter at the, at the Denalysis. Uh, you can email us at hello at the com, And you can also subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed it. And we'll give you some little... Uh, some little swaggy podcasts every week that you can listen to about this here fantasy football thing and uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because that'd be much appreciated. I've been hearing that we're in the charts or something. Yeah, basically Apple have made like sub genres Hmm. now. So yeah, we've peaked at number five in the fantasy sports sub. That's absolutely sensational. Who'd have thunk it? Isn't it? I don't know. I don't know who's listening. <laughs> I think it's just that all other fantasy football podcasts haven't marked themselves as fantasy sports. <laughs> no, don't say that. Cut <laughs> it out. Oh my god. Anyway, anyway, um, yeah, that's all for me. So enjoy your fantasy week, everyone. I hope you do really well. And goodbye for now. Bye. <laughs>